This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Fernholz in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fernholz. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. All right, hello and welcome once again to Aetherite Radio. Uh, this is going to be Lorecast, episode 10. We're joined today by, we got Zanidra, we got Aldino, and we've got Anonymous and Ethis. What's up? Hello. Hey. hey. Hi. For the first time, because we yeah. didn't do this before. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to jump into uh, patch 5.2 lore here today. Uh, first, a couple really quick bits of news. Um, the latest uh, developer diary is out for Shadowbringers, talking about uh, some of the uh, character styles and stuff like that with uh, Ayumi Namai who uh, we remember from FanFest, she's one of the character concept artists, and Yuji Yamazaki, uh, who's one of the character artists. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, we also have uh, patch 5.21 dropped earlier this week with all the new Ishgardian restoration stuff, Diadem, all that stuff. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a little more in depth next week. So uh, make sure to tune in for that. But for today, we've got Anonymous, we've got Ethis, we're talking about lore. Um... So let's just let's just jump right into it. I'm really I'm uh, sad this isn't here this time. Are you ready? Hmm? Tell me. Tell them that you're ready. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> this, last time, Ethis oh, was ready. like, he's ready. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No. So ready. Oh, he's totally. Yeah. <laughs> We're so ready. I was, I was just really into that last time. I don't know. <laughs> just emotion. There you go. I've been looking uh, at this all week. The physical yeah. excitement in the air. <laughs> anyway, please continue. <laughs> Uh, so first off, uh, we're going to jump here into Eden. Mm. A lot of side stuff with Eden, but it's it's you know woven into to the MSQ this time around. We've talked a little bit about that before with the story and Shadowbringers. Um, so let's let's kick this off. Mr. Moose, you have some points the, that you would like to uh, make about fire and wind. <laughs> I, I added that to the list. Like... All right, so first off, I expected we were going to do um, two primals in each set. Like, that just mm -hmm. seemed like mm -hmm. what we were going to do. Because then we could do, like, primals, Eden stuff, primals, Eden stuff. And then we just, like, totally knocked out all the primals in this one, like, rapid fire. And one of them was Gruda and Ifrit at the same time, which led to, like, that crystal outside becoming, like, fire and wind at the same time. So, like... At the same time, I'm seeing like all this really cool stuff explaining like how the elemental wheel works and how like the corporeal ether works and how the planet works. But at the same time, I'm like having flashbacks to 1.0 and early 2.0 where they were just like, oh yeah, well you can't have two elemental aspects at the same time. That's crazy. And what? So, yeah. There, there's definitely some interesting changes here. Yeah, the watermelon crystal. Watermelon crystal. Yeah, watermelon crystal. It's <laughs> yeah, just it's a Jolly Rancher. Delicious. It yeah. actually it looked delicious. Sour apple. Yeah. Oh. Mm. I was I was more of like the the grape or you know job for Jolly Rancher. Like, I was never big on like the sour apple or watermelon was all right. What? Wait, wait. Someone's gonna have to explain to me what is a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> oh no. It's just, yeah, flavored, it's just like a, it's just like a sugar candy. It's like a, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's, 
it's basically think, just a hard candy with a fruit flavor. They're mm-hmm. a little tangy. They're a little translucent. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. given out as rewards in every classroom for like mm-hmm. quiz day. Yeah, right. Yep. And they can have two <laughs> elemental aspects. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> mm, they can now. I mean, um, if you got yeah. two of them. There, there was stuff in this fight that bothered me as well. It wasn't so much the crystal as them like doing the fusion dance. Mm-hmm. And I think like we have like vague precedents for that, you know, with people fusing with primals and people fusing together. But primals fusing with primals was kind of interesting. And it took me back to 2.0 for a moment when we've got that scene where um Ultima Weapon basically forces the summoning of uh, Garuda, Frit, and Titan at the same time. And Garuda's mm. like trying to convince the other two to surrender their ether mm. to her. And they're just like, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to do that. Would, would something like that have, have happened? Is this something that maybe they've kind of been like entertaining? Because I have I'm, no idea. Because like, I was actually thinking the whole, the whole time through Eden, I was thinking like, this is definitely a case of the fight designers coming up with like some really cool uh, like spectacles and then going exactly. to yeah, going to the law boys and being like, hey, make it make work. this work. Make yeah. Happen, <laughs> and that, yeah. that probably happens a lot more than we th- mm-hmm. It's just we in this to... case it's more obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we allowed to just sort of suspend belief because it's also kind of like a, and we made this fight up for you in character. The, those characters were like, we're making shit up. You get to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's... you can pull all sorts of weird yeah. stuff into it if we want to make sense yeah. of it. Like we've seen entities merge before and it's not like they're mm-hmm. actually Ifrit and Garuda. It's not like they're actually primordial mm-hmm. forces of wind and fire. They're just arcane entities that have been summoned and are wearing those ideas as masks but usually we've Mm. seen like souls merge before but like i mean if we think about the center of bahamut we know that there's that like crystal core that he has right so maybe we're just seeing like the quasi soul of the summoned entity merging and then having a different yeah i don't know you can make excuses for it but it's still (laughs) weird okay it does uh even fire and wind Yeah. yeah Doesn't it look like those uh, the balls of light? Uh, like when you see Leviathan's little dude skip from Sahagin to Sahagin? Yeah, uh, soul orbs. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they again, they it's like, are those like, related or? Entwine and, yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I have Don't a feeling like... the answer is just like whatever excuse is convincing. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But it was good enough. But make it really convincing uh, so I, as a summoner, can do it. Please. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. There, there was a lot of this kind of stuff in, in Eden that kind of like messed with uh, the, the sort of established rules of etherology mm. um, as far as, you know, we've been privy to so far in any case. Um, but I, I think it was interesting how Eden also like consolidated ethereal polarity for us in, in a way um particularly like you know the elemental wheel and astronomical ring at the two poles and basically like in nature each element will have a proclivity towards one or the other i thought that was really interesting talking about how lightning in nature is almost always of like a overwhelmingly sort of astral aspect and the reverse that that ice is 
almost always of like a, a an umbral pole, right? Right. Um, is that is, have we had like hard confirmations of that uh, elsewhere before now? Other other than like what's sort of implied by the structure of the ethereal wheel? It's only been in the belief systems in the past. Mm. Um, like it, it has been a thing all along, but it's been a thing like from the point of view of Eorzean etherology. Like mm. back in the earliest early days of 1.0, there were mild elemental resistances and effects that were in play like they were calculated by the system and in the early early days of 1.0 thaumaturge used astral and umbral themselves as attack power so like mm -hmm. when um thaumaturge used this attack called banish which was astral it would be 33 percent 34 percent 33 percent wind fire lightning mm -hmm. and lightning would be the 34. So like even back then it was like solidified mm. that those elements are tied to those things more naturally. But I mean, we've never seen it in practice and confirmed in this way before. Like a thaumaturge casts a spell. It's what the thaumaturge believes it's going to be. We don't, we never saw it in nature. Mm -hmm. But th this definitely does solidify for us. I mean, for example, why in thaumaturgy we cast umbral ice and astral fire. Mm -hmm. Like, although, although it would make more sense for like the core of Thaumaturge's rotation to be astral lightning. I wish but, it was. Lightning's a way yeah. better effect. Yeah, <laughs> but like fire is slightly like more on the astral side and kind of like bouncing our sort of internal bodies ether. Like mm. we, we kind of go back to that explanation. And yeah, it, it, it's nice to see things that we've kind of had hinted at and sort of implied um, things that like Eorzeans believe to be true sort of solidified in in kind of practice and us actually making those observations like like what the I thing like, the thing oh god sorry go ahead uh what i like is the excuse that's plausible for like that weird bridge that we haven't had before is the idea that like on one hand every element can be astral or umbral like ice doesn't mm. have to be umbral um so why is it considered that on the wheel like the excuse before has always just been, oh, well, astral and umbral are in all things. It's just they have one that they lean more towards. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it makes so much more sense that ice is usually still by nature. Lightning usually mm -hmm. moves by nature. So that's where that inherent association comes from. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think I think like the passive and active um, extrapolation of the poles is like very, very useful and has led to like quite a few sort of like aha moments in uh in Shadowbringers. Mm. Um I, I really like there's been like a few sort of like metaphors and metonyms going around about people trying to explain how astral and umbral would work in like real world sort of physics terms. And the one I like the best is sort of comparing them to to heat. Like right. umbral is uh the sort of absence of movement in ethereal atomism it's still so it's sort of like like perfect umbral in the case that we see like on the empty or whatever would be like um basically uh, uh like absolute cold whereas astral to the extreme of a flood of darkness having you know everything moving so fast that it just like blows out right. you know across the universe would be uh again like like infinite heat conceptually that, that atoms are sort of moving so much and so fast and so far that they just blast it out, right? Mm. Tickles um, my brain that there's so much science in this. 
it tickles <laughs> it tickles my brain that the science is like relatively consistent yeah yeah that when we establish rules in like the metaphysics of etherology they tend to like if, even when they are making retcons even when they are like making up new rules they're still like consistent you can still like work backwards from mm -hmm. so i think eden gave us like a lot of nonsense <laughs> but, <laughs> but it also gave us like a couple of uh, i guess solidifying clarifying moments like that as well yeah. to uh, me, which I, was pretty cool i love that there's this verisimilitude you know the, the belief that there is a real system behind there somewhere and they don't break that much like that's just something that I love to see in, you know, like worlds that, that we play in. Like that's that's amazing. Mm. Consistent magic rules based on science are just like yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Um another interesting thing here was the the Sin Eaters in E seven being attracted to the astral ether of the the, the fairy, the mm. sliver of zodiac, like whatever whatever the heck it turns out to actually be, I guess we'll hopefully see in the next tier. But um, why, why, why is that happening? Do we have any ideas about that? Cause I don't, no. I don't think they make that explicit, do they? Not really. Like when it comes to the oracles, mm -hmm. I thought that it was just this weird quirk of the story for Minvilia. Right. And now they're saying like, just, you mm -hmm. know, Minfilia's existence, Reen's existence, and bringing back the knight has awoken this the shard of Zodiac's power there, and therefore we have Gaia now. And I'm like, like what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what you want, mate? Yeah, so that's gonna be like a like a touch and go, see where we end up kind of thing for me. Like, mm -hmm. are are there oracles in every dimension? Are the oracles always people? Like, are the shards of power of like Zodiac and Hydaelyn people? Mm -hmm. Are they always light and dark? I mean, it, it does stand to reason that um, Zodiac being an entity of, of darkness of primarily, if not exclusively, astral um, ether, as we understand at the moment, um, it would make sense that if like a world is sort of um, so massively like overpolarized to Umbral that he would like not be able to interact with it i guess that he would not be able to exert like any kind of influence over it um and it would make sense that whatever agents whatever seeds whatever tools he has like in that world he can't like really grab onto until things start to like depolarize okay i have a feeling there's gonna be like some tense meetings between like yoshida ishikawa and oda about these because it's like <laughs> Oda, Oda knows that light and darkness are not even the same type of energy, like not even on the same type of energy spectrum as the elements. And Astral mm. and Umbral are purely elemental forces. So it's like darkness may pull the elements towards Astral, but they're two totally different forms of energy that aren't even on the same energy spectrum. So it's like that's going to be like a tense thing mm -hmm. that they have to work around every time they go into the writing room. Yeah, kinda it's like kind of like. About... Go ahead. Oh no, I was I was just gonna say like working out what that association between them like, you know, uh, does one like does does umbral cause light? Is it a like a symptom of light? Like exactly what that association is is something mm. that's kind of very 
tenuous at the moment, isn't it? Mm. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, so this doesn't really have to do with the magic science we were talking about, but uh, it's similar uh, based on uh, what you were saying about the world being full of light. There's, there's like no way that the darkness creature, Zodiac, whatever, uh, could get its hands on it. Um, and when we were start, start to restore the other elements, uh, kind of think of it as a solid. And so you ha it's still very full of light there, but you now have something in between that light. And when you have something uh, that you cast light on, it makes mm -hmm. a shadow, right? So suddenly okay. there is a darkness created. Mm. Yeah, that's that's probably not not a bad way to look at it. Yeah, as soon as there's something for the light to cast a shadow on, then darkness can sort of exist again i like that that's i mean it, it kind of reminds me too of i mean going back to 2.0 right the idea of like oh we'll just have the beast tribe summon a bunch of primals and that'll mess up the aether and stuff enough that zodiac stuff can happen right i think it's that same kind of 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 thought but it's just a little bit more direct now it's like okay you have all this light on the first, and we go in, we mess it up a little bit, and now there's a little bit more of of leverage, right, for the other side of that. I think is is how mm. it's it's working. Yeah, I think that's basically what hap was happening. So I I was just I was really fascinated. So like the the fire in E seven, what's happening is that whatever whatever that fairy is, um, it's an astrally aspected being of considerable power, and this massive flock of senators is just like drawn to it um, it's like moths instantly. to a flame yeah and and i think i think that gives us a lot of food for thought as well because um the empty is like perfectly aspected to umbral no ether moves whatsoever um you'd have to imagine that for a senator to be able to like move and think and like operate in any sense and not just be a statue it would have to like um uh, have some kind of like astral energy within it like it couldn't be purely umbral right so if we're gonna like speculate for a mm. moment it seems like the reason that sin eaters are not just hanging out in the empty the reason they're coming into novarant is so that they can feed on ether that is not categorically umbral ether right hmm. um and so they're attracted to that astral ether and and we can maybe like extend that to void sand what we understand a void sand sort of trying to get into other worlds and specifically the source to feed is because well if they were purely and perfectly astrally aspected they would just explode right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so it's not it's not just the the sin eaters and the void sent these entities are trying to get like ether to sort of feed and survive because obviously that's a thing but it's like a specific a specific uh, kind yeah. of specifically ether that is of like the opposite pole right well you know it's like that idea of of like yeah you could eat at home but wouldn't it be a lot tastier to go out and eat like that's <laughs> you think that's it they just they're, they're really they're really sick of, of the home cooking fever. they want to yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but they have to they go to the to fancy go restaurant food. because they yeah. could make they could make you know whatever at home. But they have to go to the fancy restaurant at the uh -huh. source to get the goods. We stuff. have Lollafells at home. <laughs> <laughs> the speculation for it is just really really tough for me because mm -hmm. like 
the way the story goes, they're kind of not inconsistent, but they they lean on different things at different times. Mm. And like when they lean, they lean on Astral and Umbral when it's convenient and they lean on Light and Dark when it's convenient. And the way that they've been upended in 5.0 has confused a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. So it's like Sin Eaters are Sin Eaters because they've been implanted with a light. And then that disrupts your internal ether. And then, but like, we don't know what drives the hunger yet. So we can only speculate. And that's how we mm -hmm. end up here. Mm-hmm. So I think I think what you really want, Moose, is some kind of like clear delineation between astral number and light and darkness. Like you want it spelled out, like what what the distinction is. I think what... I think Koji gave us just enough to go on before when he talked about um, like we got him talking about it a little bit in terms of Amdapar hard when we started seeing mm -hmm. like the light and darkness sprites and he was like no 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 those are not those are not astral and umbral those are not elemental they're they're nothing like that it's a completely different form of energy so i think we got like that part kind of at least hitting the ground running in terms of light is a completely independent primordial force that just happens to pull the elementals towards stasis. We, we, it was energy back then, but it's stasis now. And then darkness is the opposite of whatever light is on that primordial energy spectrum, still completely separate from the elements, still completely separate from um, uh, astral and umbral, but just happens to pull elements towards the, those things. And like, okay. I see the, I see that as the separation between them. But then I don't know how to close that gap between the fact that the Void Sense and the Sin Eaters are said to be caused by the primordial forces, and then they hunger for the corporeal mm -hmm. ether that are the elemental forces, and that's just, I don't know, that's up in the air for me. So so basically, we, we shouldn't necessarily um, assume that Void Sense and Sin Eaters are like categorically astral number, respectively. I I wouldn't yet. I mean, okay. that's not where my speculation is going, but mm -hmm. I couldn't prove it if I had to. Right. <laughs> okay. So we can say for sure that like they're 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 light and darkness. That's that's an important component to them. But saying that like one is sort of necessarily and categorically astral, like all voids and are astral and all senators are umbral, is is a stretch at the moment that we we shouldn't necessarily be making. I've been trying to think of like a good metaphor for it for weeks, and I can't mm -hmm. yet. Um, like to say that like umbral is very strongly associated with light and mm -hmm. that light creates umbral energies, but light and umbral are not the same thing. It's a very hard thing to give a metaphor and an example for Like they're not synonymous, they're, okay. but they're deeply associated. So let, let's, uh, let, let's try this. So, so we've got the, the idea that, that ice in nature is almost always umbral, yes, but, but not, is. but not categorically umbral. It can be mm -hmm. astral. Yes. So perhaps we could say the same thing about light and umbral. Like umbral is almost always in nature light or light is almost always in nature umbral, but not necessarily, not categorically. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. If I were to try to figure out the boundaries of this, <laughs> yeah. if, I were try to, if I were to try to figure out the boundaries of this, I would say that like, Ice, or yeah, ice is usually umbral because it's like, or ice is usually more affiliated with light because it's still. So you, you have that like ice is just inherently closer to the element of light due to its stillness. Mm -hmm. It's, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. Um, to say that 
there could be ice that is being affected by darkness would make it like an astral ice, an ice that has movement to it somehow. I don't mm-hmm. really know how that works. Ice is a terrible, terrible example for this one. Yeah, glacier. <laughs> let's say it's a, let's say yeah. darkness glacier. It doesn't move fast, <laughs> but it does move. Right. <laughs> but to say that we could have like an umbral energy that's caused by darkness instead of light that i don't think we could do i think we could only do it from the elemental side rather than backward right okay it's very strange lore it Mm. it is Mm -hmm. and it's really like oh uh, uh to me i was i was wondering categorize it on if it tends to impart the motion or tends to inhibit motion maybe and uh, saying that this light can inhibit, it, it has some uh, attribute that, yes, it inhibits motion in other things. Can we think about how it affects other things, like other corpor- cor- uh, corporeal things? Like saying that it is closer to umbral because it, rem- uh, it, it imparts or removes. I think we could... I think we could definitely make the association. I don't think we could imply causation, mm, like that sure. one is yeah. like that way because of it, but I think it's an sure. accurate description. Like, I think mm. we could use it as descriptive. Okay. It's But it, again, it's very weird, and it all goes yeah. back to the fact that light and darkness weren't originally part of this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, do you guys think I'm, I'm I'm curious do you do you think you know we talked earlier about you know do you wish there was a, a just a simple cut and dry explanation of all this stuff do you think there is one or is this just a way that they can kind of like cover themselves uh, right when when I think uh, there was one I think there was a simple cut and dry explanation until Yoshida was like 5.0 light calamity and Oda was mm. just like in the corner having an aneurysm like that's not how any of this works that's not you know calamities are elemental and that implies light and darkness are backwards from astral and umbral oh, this is gonna give me a headache and then he went back to his office and he figured it out and then ishikawa like put it all in the game and made it all consistent and now there that simple answer is backwards so it's a concrete answer but no one's gonna understand it I wouldn't be surprised if this has happened like several times where there has been like an internal logic that's been like very clearly defined and then had to like dramatically change in some way. And they're probably going to do it. They're probably going to do it again. Oh, yeah. Like I want I want Koji to talk about it someday, but there are so Mm. many things in the game that like are almost universal. And then there's Mm. something that's not like the way the map is laid out compared to the elemental wheel. It's almost the same but it's not mm-hmm. and where the primals are in relation to that it's almost the same but it's not and like I, I always just go back to remembering that like the calendar like what months were associated with which elements mm-hmm. we were given that by square enix before the game came out and then when launch happened they were like no jk the calendar's this it's totally different <laughs> mm. i think i think we'll probably never get like cut and dry answers to this because if cut and dry answers are out there then suddenly like their hands are tied on right on, yeah absolutely well, right and then and then people can go back well what about what about you know the things in amdafor what about you know and that's yeah exactly they, they like, need it to be at least a little bit loose just to mm, yeah you know play with stuff yeah gameplay wise the door yeah. always needs to be open for aorzeans to be stupid 
Right. <laughs> really That's not down to. They have to be able to say like, yeah, they just didn't know. They were dumb. They can't. They got it wrong. True. I like that. Um. Uh. What What else have we got, Eden? I think like that's that's mostly in stuff we've covered. I mean, I think I think we sort of implied, um, Rain's really strange decision to become the. Uh, <sighs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, become the, the host the food for Shiva. But here's the interesting thing as well is that like she talks about, well, you know, ice is closest to to light, and I'm gonna help, um, even kind of draw that out and uh, what could possibly go wrong hmm. and all that. Um, and and again, like how that sort of muddies the distinction between light and umbral. I think I think we basically like got that covered. Is there anything more to say about that? The fight in general or like the elemental part of it? I guess like, yeah, the, the sort of lore implications of the fight. I think that was primarily just the major lore implication of it, especially because mm -hmm. Oriange made it a point like five times to be like, hey, hey, did you know that ice is the closest element to light? Thanks for having me. Nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Real, real subtle. <laughs> that guy. I'm so disappointed in him. Yeah. He let us make so many dumb decisions. He's I was supposed to be a smart guy. I, was I mean, it would help if he would stop lying to us. Yes. What, My, Charles? I, I said, like, I just, I was hoping for him to be the vessel. Like, that would have been a slightly <laughs> less bad idea. Yes. But still. Man Shiva. I want but it. I want Uriangier doing magical Shiva. girl transformations. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I want yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the in the heels, have him do the step and the ice I thing. Mean, oh yeah, yeah. My my, hand, my, hand, my, hand my theory is that is the okay. Okay. you first. Yeah. I want to be yours. Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> so, so, so my head canon is that every time that Uriage has dropped the ball in Shadowbringers, every time he's missed something obvious or like let us do something stupid, he's known exactly what's going to happen and mm -hmm. is deliberate. He's just been <laughs> spending way too much time with the pixies, and he thinks it's going to be funny. Uh... <laughs> I love and hate that. I'm leaning towards the epiphany that like Ariange using old time book speak is just like the in-game equivalent of us with the British accent. Like we hear it and we just assume they're smart and we roll with it. I want I want the, the end of this expansion now just to be Ariange going back to Ilmeg, talking with the Pixies in a Jersey accent and having them being <laughs> like, All right, you won the bet and giving him like a hundred gil or something. <laughs> Uh, so, we didn't so think you could actually get him to do that, but yeah, no, you got him to fight two primals at once. You had her summon Shiva. Here's your money. Good job. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So, so Riange is, is, is a personification of the old adage that old poets muddy their waters that they might appear deep. Mm. I like that. A lot. <laughs> there you go. I like. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> So um, um, listen to the the teenage girl. She knows what she's talking about. Let's fight two primals at once. It'll be fine. You guys are good. So, <laughs> so let's let's uh, go ahead. One like like with with Eden, yep. job job's done. Yeah, right? we've restored the elements. Uh, presumably, in a hundred years, everything's gonna start to you know be like uh, livable again. Um, what what could possibly be next? Is that worth talking about? I, th I think we're going to have to, at some point, right, we're going to have to deal with this fairy, whatever the fairy is. I mean, that's really all that's left is is this kind of mystery surrounding Gaia. Well, there's, 
there's one other thing that they haven't touched on yet, which I find kind of funny. Is um, like Eden wasn't supposed to be the raid; it was just supposed to be part of the MSQ. Yeah. And what back back then it was supposed to be tied up with how it brought the flood and what the first Sin Eater is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been dragged on longer than the story was ever supposed to drag it on. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. going to be tied up in there somewhere. Like, wh- why are we still calling it the Bringer of the Flood? Like, the flood is like six patch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me why it's the bringer of the flood. I feel like I'm watching Lost at this point. Like, what's this one? <laughs> we have to go back. Back to I was the just... island. Yeah. Oh, my God. Every raid series is like this, though. Like, it, we sure. never get any straight answers until the, the last uh, the last iteration. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that's that's what we have to look forward to is what what is it? What, what is this thing? Why is it? Why did it do it? What, you know, how did it do it? I guess that's what you're saying. It's is that mm-hmm. that'll be the next part. Yeah, I find it very inconsistent that the right. flood was like simultaneously a uh, primordial force, like mm-hmm. a consequence of elemental like messing around. Uh, the warriors of light doing their thing, and then also this big machine in the desert. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't really make up their minds. They, it's it's like they had. A, a, a sort of pitch meeting, like, all right, what caused the flood of light? And everyone's just like put out an idea, and they're like, yes to all mm. of those. <laughs> <laughs> we are all correct. They, they went to flip a coin, and the coin just fine. landed on the side. You're like, how does? <laughs> all right, everything. Yeah. It's all, <laughs> all right, it's all of them. Oda, make it work. Oda's in the other room, like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how do we feel about this? Like, pretty pretty hard confirmation that um. Orianger and Thancred are not going to be in Novarant in 5.4. That didn't surprise me. Um, because if you look at the 5.2 trailer, there's still that mm. scene that we haven't gotten where it's 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 looking like Boja Citadel stuff. You have Sid and um, and I, I, I keep forgetting her name, but the, the woman Mikata. from the... Yeah, right? Mm. And, and all of a sudden, mm. all the scions pop up. So I I think it's gonna weave MSQ into this content. I think they're they just gonna cannot, come back. They cannot travel back and have like a major plot point in a in a why uh, not point X five. That would be why? so weird. It would be it, and so would be including twenty four man raid quests in a eight man raid patch. But we got that too. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Kinda, like not really, like it's sort of. Yeah, yeah. That would be, seems like a contingency to me, like that mm. people a year from now are gonna look back and go, "Well, patch equals canon." So you know, in five point three, so they're just like prepping for what those changes are gonna be two patches from now. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense when people look at it in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, it's probably. I mean, that's the most pragmatic answer you know, it's probably that that makes sense yeah i mean we've but also talked to in terms of story so yeah, yeah. i mean we, yeah. we've talked too about how how much they've been weaving all the side stuff in with the the main narrative this time around too i mean so mm-hmm. who knows at this point i mean you know we'll have uh Gabranth is going to be part of the boja citadel stuff they're going to you know bring that back and it's just there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of stuff going on, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they they did, you know, weave some of that stuff into it. And the fact that they had it as almost 
kind of like a bonus quest, right? Because you needed MSQ done in order to yeah. get that last bit for Eden, where they're like, all right, so we're going to peace out here soon. Which makes me think, yeah, maybe that's that's what's going to happen in this in this next patch. And I like it. It it just further threads the story through all patches and keeps it fresh and interesting, rather than mm. all right, it's been a couple months. What the heck happened last time? Yeah, yeah I, I I don't like this sort of strong delineation between what is MSQ and what isn't because mm -hmm. it feels really disconnected. Like as far as I'm concerned, yeah. all the content that you do as as a player is MSQ. Yeah. Like if you do it, that's that's the story. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the idea of feeling like you know rewarded, feeling like everything you're doing is sort of like relevant and interwoven is always mm -hmm. like it's super rewarding. Yeah. The only thing yeah. I don't like. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh no! I was just gonna say that that's that's what you want for the MMO. You want the meta narrative to be all the way through all of the content, and mm -hmm. like it's it's more lately, and it's great. But that does make it. We can't make that delineation anymore. So, like, mm -hmm. should we expect that in this point five that we might get something? I don't know. I mean, it's it's nice to not know. It's nice to feel like maybe we might surprise. I mean, I mean, I, given the visuals, like something's gonna happen. Right, we just don't yeah. know yeah. what you know to to what degree it's gonna happen. I don't like the idea that it's gonna be part of the Bozia Citadel because mm. that seems like content you could skip. Sure. And mm -hmm. I want to know what happens. So well, maybe keep I will keep be in mind too. It it could just be for this initial bit because remember we do get a trial with this. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then, I was yeah. told Boja's Citadel was vaporized in every book, every house, <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. was gone. So, like, this whole thing to me is, like, angry uh, Well, we yeah, brought it's... Eden over, and it, uh, we're going to recreate it with how we think it was, and oh. then we're going to do it. This is your recall over again. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely. I mean, we saw, you know, in that, in that trailer again, you know, this, this very odd-looking kind of instance that we're going to be running through. Some, something happened. Something's weird. Um, so it's definitely not whole. <laughs> mm. You know, so at least you know it, 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 it's destroyed, but it's still kind of there. But it's weird-looking, at least, right? It's just not this perfect thing. So, who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it time to complain about color-coded children? Uh, I yes. Swear. <laughs> yes, it is. Can the, we just well, not talk it, about the children did, at all? What did, you, what did you call them last episode? The, the color-coded Shinji children? Was that yeah, the... Yeah, something like that. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. Yeah, so let's let's move here uh, into uh, the, the weapons storyline now. Um, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> lots of good, lots of good stuff in here. Um, let's talk about Darnus starting off here. There's, I feel like there's comments that want to be made here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've written Yuladanus, and I see um someone's just made a note, uh, just an ellipsis there, and a link to um <laughs> a very good tweet. <laughs> Uh, um, is is there anyone in the world that doesn't know about Yuladanus? Do we need to like reiterate anything about Yuladanus and how Nail was never 
was never actually Nail and was Nail's sister who uh, murdered their father after he sent Nail on a suicide mission and killed all of his staff and killed all Nail's staff and uh, Nail's betrothed committed suicide upon his spear and so Eula <laughs> renamed the spear after her and was like now I'm gonna go and just hate the whole world and you know mess up everything and we're, like we're, we're all on top of that right yeah I mean, if and if run, you're not we, <laughs> we have several yeah. lore trains on the site that you can look up that will explain all of that. Yeah, there's this really, there's this really good like short little piece um, called uh, "Rise and Fall of the White Raven," I believe. I don't know short if you guys. Piece. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just a, a little short... kind of like yeah, just a little like bite sized like easily consumable little uh, skim. Oh, a couple right dozen here. paragraphs. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> take you an afternoon to read. There's also the. Uh, what did, what did we call the, the 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 final nail in the coffin? I think is what oh, we. Oh yeah. come on! <laughs> come it was on. too it was too easy, right? You can't not make that joke. <laughs> Forgot about that. But yeah, if you, you don't know about Eula and, and Nail, but then this. <sighs> they just keep they just keep bringing it back. So, um, the question I have here, what I really want to know is, how do they get the data? Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. what they want to know too. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it, it can only have been from Coil. Like, yeah, there's no, there's nowhere else. It, it's it's mm. not data on Nail Vandanus Imperial Legatus. It's yeah. data on Nail Deus Danus, mm. the you know tempered uh, post calamity uh, abomination Bahamut slave. Like the um, fact they use the word orocyte, that like orocyte is usually a container for something spiritual related. Like there's always mm -hmm. some kind of spiritual component to it, some kind of vessel component to it. So like they could try to pull some very strange ethereal spiritual memory nonsense, but coil at least, I mean, that resonates a little better with me in terms of like, yes, instantly sensible thing. Mm-hmm. Which is um, interesting, though, because, I mean, one of the big things about Coil was, like, you know, you go through that, and then you're, you know, everybody's like, okay, we agreed. We're never going to tell anybody about anything that happened here. And well, then so all they, of a they sudden... They went in and cleaned everything <laughs> up, right? And they have precedent for going into old Allegan stuff and ripping it apart and pulling information well, out of it. Yeah. So it's not that, that much yeah. of a stretch well, at all, I think. The, the reason we decide to hush-hush about Coil was because we're worried that if people find out that that, that people, like, you know, civilized spoken races can summon primals, mm -hmm. then uh, the Empire is just going to, like, basically wipe out all of Eorzea. Right. Um, that was, like, one of, one of the big points why we decided to hush-hush about it. And then next patch, we get Shiva, and it's suddenly yeah. redundant. Um, it just, it, Don't summon uh, my grandpa, and then you do. <laughs> That was there. Yeah. That was the twins' big concern was that if someone yeah. tried to summon Louis Wall, it would turn him into like an actual real Garuda style primal, and he'd never mm -hmm. be Louis Wall. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when when we first went into Coil, it was specifically because the Fourteenth um, Legion was trying to get in there. And we, we were like, we cannot let them get their hands on Galleon secrets. We need to go in there and secure it and make sure that, that they can't. And then we see Nail and Louis Soir and like take like a sharp left turn 
but uh, the 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 14th legion they couldn't get through that first ads they couldn't get past the bouncer (laughs) they didn't know when to use stun and yeah yeah they couldn't they couldn't work out like an interrupt rotation (laughs) we effed it up they rage quit yeah Yeah. but that's the thing right we cleared it out we we like cleared the way for them and at no point did it occur to any of us to like actually go back and secure it and make sure that the thing that we said we were going to do we would actually do and yeah like the only thing i can imagine with ruby weapon is that yeah the someone must have gotten in there after us and like you know I, I don't know, found, found, a, found a tombstone recording from the holodeck or like... Yeah. We forgot to close the there's door a, behind us when we went in and that was all it took. And There's a, a precedence yeah. as well for people we think are our friends not being our friends, so sure. you never know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, how, how do we feel about synthetic aura site? I mean, synthetic echo... Mm. Fused, but in synth everything. I think like, it's it's you, it's the Garleans, right? So they always make synthetic something, right? They always find mm-hmm. a way to to do like you know you look at how they've used you know ceruleum with mm-hmm. stuff and the you know the artificial echo. They're always you know maybe they can't quite work the original stuff, but they're like it's okay. We can just remake it and it'll be fine. I think they might be cleaning up something in Japanese that's not clear to people who play the English version of the game. That's how I feel about um, Rosite. Okay. Every time they give me a tidbit, I'm like, huh? In Japanese, um, the the Heart of Sabik is not called the Heart of Sabik. It's okay. called Black Orosite Sabik. Mm. Oh, okay, so that's a little have... more straightforward, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like... If the core of the original ultimate weapon, ultimate weapon was black orosite, then the core of the ruby weapon would be synthetic orosite. And if the core of the ultimate weapon was a shard of Zodiac's power, then this would be a shard of something else's power. And they're using technology to infuse it with something else, like Darnus's combat data. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so- just a cleanup of the Japanese term that we're not kind of privy to. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, much more clear, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I'm just going to go ahead like and that. crumple up this one theory I had. We'll just get rid of that then. Uh. <laughs> so Orsa, as, as we understand it, um, contains like uh, basically soul, mind, like that kind of material, that kind of um, stuff. And I, I guess like the implication here, I mean, if, if the synthetic Orsa is actually like the same sort of uh, material as like non-synthetic orosite. I guess the implication here is that like that that mind stuff, whatever it is that like the orosites and Iblis, for instance, draw on and like amplify, is is data. Like yeah. in a way, it's yeah. no different from any other kind of data that would be contained on, say, like an Allegan tombstone, right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that the implication here? Because that, that's another thing we've been doing, like particularly since five point one, is making some sort of distinction between like what is um, soul material and what is mind material, mm. and like the big conundrum in five point one was like white orosite will apparently contain one but not the other. Mm. Um, yeah. So 
Do we have any, what, what do we know like for certain about Aurasite? Uh, mostly that it's like a container. Like I think one of the things we're gonna learn is that mind, soul, and memory even are all uh, spiritual ether. And that's like connected to the life stream. I think we're gonna figure that out eventually. Cause like in Japanese, those, or in Japan, those concepts are really tightly intertwined at the point where you can even swap the characters that render them sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be one thing that we see and that Aurasite can sometimes act as a container for it. But I really like the idea that you call it data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it would be really cool if like the thing that the Garleans were known for in terms of advancing stuff is being able to just render the mind soul and memory that's in ether and in the live stream to a way you can replicate with ones and zeros right mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's altered carbon yeah mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah because because it's interesting like we we have dialogue in this fight um with eula where she's it's not just like a copy of of her data mm-hmm. she's she seems to be like recalling things and right. whether that's just the the pilot's mind that's kind of warped and twisted and 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 convinced that it is Yula, like you know, based on this transformation, mm-hmm. or whether that is like genuinely a a recreation of Yula's mind uh, through this this data that's been kind of like extrapolated. Well, and you know, um, it, it, it makes me think a little bit too. I mean, look at the body that Emmett Selk was using. They just mm-hmm. made a bunch of bodies for him to to use right so they right. know how to clone yeah. so this is just, just the the amazing. internal yeah. Yeah. yeah well right but it, it's so so it's yeah. the other it's the it's the the pairing of that right you have like yeah you can just make the body but then what about mm. the rest of it right and so that's mm. kind of i think what this is starting oh, to address no. a little bit oh yeah, no i'm so worried wor- i'm so worried now that they have like solace vandana's site oh. in storage yeah. somewhere and then they're gonna like bring <laughs> Back to life with that, please no. Yeah, please don't do that. What if they start cloning us? I mean, is it? I don't want to think about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be because <laughs> to me, it like the combat data specifically having things that happen and coiling. It mm. it necessitates us to think about like how like is it? Did they go in or did they find? You know in the live stream like this is this is speculation of course this mm-hmm. is what did they find his information and extract it somehow and then put it in you know un, unbeknownst to all of us do they have a way to target specific individuals mm-hmm. and get their you know mind soul data that returns to something it mm-hmm. returns to something so maybe they found a way to access it remove it and then implant it in some so i mean we, we've seen something similar right in in the 5.0 msq when emmett Selk helped get yashola back right that sure, kind yes. of idea i can't imagine emmett Selk teaching that stuff to garlean engineer number three or whatever in order to <laughs> pull nail out of the you know i mean maybe right it's, it's not completely unfounded <laughs> but yeah i mean that's okay i could see that yeah we're gonna come a bit later to some stuff that Emmett Selk may or may right. not have done in mm-hmm. uh, in Garlemald. Um That guy, <laughs> that heckin' guy. I think there <laughs> might be a hint in the the Arch Ultima fight, though. Mm. Yeah, like do you okay. remember when Istinian fought that like yes. prototype? 
Yeah. They were loading it up with 14. They were calling it like data from the 12th and data from the 14th. And the one from the 14th was using like Livia's moves. Mm, right. And it's not really obvious that that's what's happening until you go back and watch it again after Ruby. Right. Mm. I didn't even think about that fight after Ruby, like after, because it right? recontextualizes that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, well, Ruby weapons Mark three. Right. Um, which implies that what Estinian fought was Mark II. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I also find it really interesting that like we, we know the difference between um, the Ultima weapon and Proto-Ultima and the Ultima Beast, I think it's called, mm -hmm. is that the, the latter two were elegant attempts to sort of like um, replicate like Primal's attacks, like create like an anti-Primal weapon by sort of like, you know, studying the primals and like, again, using like, like data. Um, and Ultima Weapon is the use of presumably Aurasite, yeah. I, I think like the heart of Sobeek, I think we can like tenuously assume right. that that's Aurasite of one yeah. kind or another um, to like literally contain the primals. Like that was, that was the difference. And it's just kind of wild that the Galleons have sort of worked something out that the Allegans didn't, because apparently, at least according to Laha Brea, the 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 Allegans didn't really understand the nature of the the heart of Sabik or or what it was or how it could do what it did, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, do we do we have anything else in like Ruby Weapon that's particularly? Particularly interesting. I, I, the the orphans. I do not care about. Skip it. Them. Skip it. Yeah, I do I, not care. I see the orphans as pretty much just like a Gundam storyline exactly. for the time being, mm -hmm. and sure. it's it's cool and it like resonates and it fits. And we know Gaius loves adopting people with absentee parents, but like I think we're gonna have more to talk about later. He loves grooming. Uh... Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you would prefer the term like recognizing and bringing out their true potential. Their <laughs> true yeah. potential to... It's grooming. Yeah, it's grooming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one one thing I did want to bring up uh, before we move on from where we open. Um, the end of that yeah. of that quest line, we did have... So we, we run into Gaius, right? Last expansion. Oh, and he's yes. got a couple people with him. Um, and one of these guys, Valdelin, uh, mm. um... He's like, just remember, like, if you go back to Garlemald, I will kill you. Like, okay, so Gaius maybe isn't the one in charge? Like, God. what is going on with this the guy? The sheer audacity that he thinks that he could beat the Black Wolf one-on-one -on -one is just unacceptable. Like, right. no way, dude. Take your shot. Not <laughs> yeah, like, like, who, 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 who are you? Who are you? Do you even guy? have a name? <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so just b before I'll pull it back out of the trash. My theory originally, before we learned about the the <laughs> Japanese term, right? We know right from MSQ that somebody can be the heart of some kind of entity. I was like, what if yeah. this dude is like the heart of Sabik, and he's somehow guiding Gaius around to try and do stuff? That was my wild thing, but of course now that's maybe not I mean, so much now. But. Huh. Listen, that's better. That's better than what I've got, which is five and nothing. Right. Sorry, go on. Just say he's Travanchet for now. I would be into that. That would that would be that would be such a twist. God. Yeah, it was just incredibly telling to me that guys doesn't even respond to that. He does. 
like there's no response that remember if you go back i'll kill you. none They're like, yeah right like, he doesn't cool. even cool doesn't even entertain so like what does that mean <laughs> like does he okay yeah i know you could do it or is it the yeah shut up i don't you you mean nothing to me i feel like yeah, it was an unnecessary yeah. you know he's like okay that was super unnecessary do you feel like a big kid now see you later yeah, yeah. i mean like <laughs> what what guys tells us when when he's describing his survival of uh the explosion of praetorium was like yeah i was gonna die and then i just decided not to so i did yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, change my mind. That that's what he told us, right? But maybe that's not actually what happened. Sure. Because yeah. maybe it has something to do with this guy, and he's like, "You can't tell maybe. anybody about me or or who or what I actually am." Hmm. I'm hoping it's both. Like, I'm yeah. hoping that like hmm. this guy is tied up with how Gaius ended up being smuggled halfway around the world and surviving and starting a new like group together. Hmm. But I hmm. just I'm really attached to the like whole explanation of his totally allegedly impossible return being just like man literally too angry to die. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would that would be the best, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean they're not mutually exclusive. Thing. Yeah, they don't have to be. Yeah, I think oh. I think there's definitely something there, and I, I think we'll get to it at some point. I think I think the question right now, and and this will we can speculate on a little bit is what other combat data mm. do you want to see right with the rest of these these weapons? Last week we talked about wanting to see Van Hydrus come back. Yeah. We always talk yeah, about how he kind of felt that. like he got the short end of the stick. Yeah, um, you know, will we get you know a Cape West Wind Extreme? That, right. that brings up uh, a different question, though. If we do get Van Hydras, uh, and mm. it the the entity that does show up is uh, less a copy and more of a continuation of the mind of the person, is he going to be like, "What is this? What have you done? I'm not fighting this right now." <laughs> right. How would how would he respond? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Mm, I, don't I can't think of anybody else. Impression. I'm sure there. We, we I mean, saw a glimpse of it, Livia. Yeah, I, I do yeah. want to see Livia. Livia could mm -hmm. be interesting. She well, knows. I would be so like, mad if she's crazy. It's the nature of storytelling that we assume the writers are going to have combat data of people we know, but like that's not... Like, that's true. How do we know sure. that there's not just some fighter back in Garlemald? Yeah. Well, it's also like the assumption of people that we know, but one of the, the interesting yeah. things about Eula showing up is like not everyone has done coil. Um... Yeah. So, like, True. what for the, for the people that haven't done coil? Like, how is this possible? Now it's gonna make more sense to them when they do coil. Yeah, it's gonna make <laughs> yeah, like, years. Oh, it confused us. But also, but some, is... some other adventures went in and forgot to close the door behind yeah. them. And so, <laughs> is is this a case of like you know working around within the time bubble and just like assuming that you've done coil? And it's like, oh well, if you do coil later, then you'll just have canonically done it before. Yeah, or I just assume it, whatever so. patch it came out in is what patch it happened in, even mm -hmm. if you experience it at a different time. Well, it doesn't, mm -hmm. the story, uh, it's not like the, the primals from Eden. It doesn't matter if the character's done Coil in this case. Well, it's it kind of does. Because, does it? like, if, well, if they haven't done it, again, it has to either be a case of, well, they did Coil in the past. Like, whenever they do it, it just happened in the past. Like, right. they have canonically done it. Or else the Galleons got this data from somewhere else. Right, because it's like, 
if if your character sees this combat data and mm-hmm. you know you you see it okay then that kind of necessitates i get i get where you're coming from oil. it's basically yeah. turn, or, or turn nine had just, to have happened to yes, somebody so at some they point could just assume yeah. they could just assume it was the people who did do it like right <laughs> It wasn't us, yeah. someone else did. It wasn't MSQ. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him that excuse. I don't know. <laughs> Alphano um, and Alex so about... just did it themselves. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, what about Gaius? You want Gaius to fight Gaius? I do. I... That, that would be, be interesting. interesting. <laughs> You're like, no. I've thought about that idea. Is. Yeah. I mean, I haven't ruled that idea out. I think if that does happen, I think it would be the last one. Yeah. Mm. Um... Yeah. I, I feel like it'll it'll be like their their hero one. Like we made one on the side because we stole their research because we weren't really dicks this whole time. Right. And it's we we made it after you, Dad. So you're saving the day. I mean, if it's really Gundam, we'll kill it anyway. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? They'll be like, no, all right. You know, you killed you killed off a bunch of your orphan kids. We made one. We this is uh-huh. your weapon now, Dad. And he's gonna be like, so have you guys not been paying attention to any of the, like no. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye to your brother or sister. This is yeah. going to blow this one up, too. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Uh, All right. Let's see on the nose to have Van Hydras be Sapphire, the next one that they kind of <laughs> named her. Because it is water-based. That too on the nose. I don't know. I was that hoping you would be the blue ominous, one yes. anyway, just because, like, yeah. all of... Remember that, like, Ceruleum Tiger? Ceruleum Tiger, Tiger. yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it would make a lot of sense, right? I don't know. I mean, I mean you, you could get one almost for each expansion, right? You get the, the your 2.0 with with Nail, you get your 3.0 with Van Hydras, you get your 4.0 with Xenos. No. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Fordola? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I don't would know. be interesting. That'd be weird, but that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, they they never really did tie her stuff up in game right it was just kind of she was there and then is she worth fighting though well, she's like, still in prison right she's now. no darnus at all no 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 well i mean post resident like maybe 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 yeah. like we 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 beat her by cheating it's true yeah, you know? but, but how much data could they possibly have on her if she's stuck in prison I mean, she's how much data can they have on Nail? And Nail's been dead for like twenty years. Fair <laughs> enough. That's Are like they... in a computer already, though, right? Isn't she fighting not about that? Right now, right? Didn't beat her by cheating. We just like mm. threw ethereal pocket sand yeah. in her eyes. Yeah, but yeah, I she reckon like canonically, Fanola could. Pro- I reckon she could smash Nail. Nail doesn't yeah. have the echo. No, exactly. And aren't we using Fordola to fight primals right now? Are we? Yeah. yeah. She on the yeah, she comes out of prison and fights primals. Yeah. Because yeah. she can't be tempered. Like, that, that's that been said okay. somewhere. I can't remember yeah. where. Was it yeah. in a side story? Like, no, off screen. There, there, there is a separate side story in the uh, mm-hmm. Chronicles of Light book for her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And and the level 80 summoner quest. Yes, exactly. Got, like, that's, like, that's which I haven't I done yet. Yeah. Yula got tempered. Like, yeah. Yeah, for all the wins. Yeah, that's my case. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're not. That's that's a solid argument. <laughs> you're like I. I thought I made a point. Uh, no, yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah, there was a point there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I work for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. I, I, I accept. A, it. It's fine. 
I have a huge soft spot for Fordola now that I know that she is also a summoner, kind of almost not somewhat. Not, I don't she's know. Not, she's not a summoner. Not quite, but uh, working with them. I don't know why they told me this during my quest, man. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't tell me how I can right. summon Phoenix. I'm going to let that go, but that's fine. Let that go. Don't lie to us. No, I'm not. I'm never going to let go. It's going to be here forever until they answer you <laughs> in two expansions. Uh, is there anything we want to talk about with like Ronka and the and the Katari? Is there anything mm. worth touching on there? I dislike the choice option. <laughs> okay, why? You just like the, like choose your own lore thing. Is I I, I I do hate the choose your own lore thing, and it's it's because I like the canon to be canon, right? Just to be this is what happened, right? Yeah, okay. If you want to play around with how the elements work and stuff, and not give us a cut and dry, sure. But, like, mm. you know, having, you know, all these multiple choice of, like, good stuff happened or bad stuff happened. And to have that then be like, oh, yeah, like, that's that's how it went. Like, that bugs me a little bit, right? Like, so really... then I have to say what, uh, what I said last week. Yeah. Is our, our big counterpoint that we actually had a disagreement. Um, yes, uh, you do, you are presented with a choice, you, your little totem pole or whatever has the different choices on it, but there, there is a real history. It's sitting mm -hmm. over here. We don't necessarily know what happens. There are depictions of it and our totem pole is just our decision as to what these pictures mean. They don't mm -hmm. necessarily mean it's the truth. Mm -hmm. I, I choose to I, believe they're I both wrong. Yeah, I, I yeah, just I, believe that the the real history is not going captured at all. They're both mm -hmm. wrong, and what we're choosing is how they're going to remember it going forward for the time being. That's what I that's choose. Really, like, even if we're being like confirmation bias with our history. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's absolutely it. Like, like it's not choose your own canon. It's choose like what's going to be recorded, and and it's bad history. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's being like really bad historians is seeing yeah. this thing yeah. that can be interpreted in two different ways and us being like, fuck it, we're we're just taking yeah. one path. Yeah. We're only going to write and two mice places. decide history. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> if we took if we got like both of them together, we could work out some probable actual close mm -hmm. to history thing, and then the canon would be well. There's a debate between. Yes. Hmm. And people, like people are wondering. People are saying like, "Oh, Encyclopedia Eorzea Volume Three, Encyclopedia Novarat, whatever, whatever it's going to be." Uh, presumably, they're like, "Oh, they're going to tell us like which the which one is like the true one," and they're Definitely super not. not. Like, no. no, that's not yeah. going to happen. There's unless no unless they they resolve it in quest, like at the end, they'll be like, "Oh, we actually found a, a you know a stone they, engraving, and this is what actually not. happened." But no. they, oh, they didn't. They okay, did well then never mind. No matter which path you choose, day. no matter which path you choose, they will discover something that like supports that path. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Which is which is pretty wild. But like it it it's just really bad history. Like yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, um, sorry, like we we've only got like so much uh, space on this tablet here, so we can only record one of them. Yeah, oh. that's the thing that irks me. That's the thing that bothers me. Is that the Katari is supposed to be these like legendary, you know, scribes? Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what one thing I think that that's made I... up history also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One one thing that I really like, my favorite part of the Katari <laughs> quest was um, their canonical title was a double entendre. 
um, I don't know if any of you guys caught this, but the official Ronkin title for the Qatari scribes was uh, the Stewards of Note. I haven't done these. At you get all. it? It's a, it's a double entendre. Mm -hmm. Stewards of Note, like they write notes, but they're yeah. also noteworthy stewards. Yes. Okay. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good though. <laughs> Like I actually it just wasn't clicking in my head. So, oh, okay, okay, got I it. I laughed out loud at that, and my chat's just like, "What are you laughing at?" What's... It's it's funnier when you notice it naturally, but when you get told it, you're just like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> I haven't even started these quests. I, I don't even. Ha I can't. I I I don't do crafting. I love that the look on his face is just like I'm surrounded by Phyllis. Uh, oh, uh, see, I uh, didn't even know that. I don't do gathering. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Only gathering. If only there was some kind of new content that was added to help with that. Yeah. Charles don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other interesting like little lore bits about Ronka that we got out of the Katari was that the first Ronkan Emperor was a Ronzo. Um, and like the founding races were apparently the Ronzo and the Duran, which are the Varantic Aura. Um, and then they encountered the Qatari, and then they encountered the Vis, and at some point, like, you know, conquering mm -hmm. most of the rest of Novrant, they also um, brought in a large population of humans. So that was cool. We had um, uh, the patron god of the Qatari is Oxtalan, mm -hmm. who's the god of uh, the dead and the underworld. Mm -hmm. um, and card matching games. Yeah, and matching games. Yeah, <laughs> can't be all um, bleak, right? I think I think we've got. I'm trying to think. I think we've got like the names of six of these like chief deities of Bronca, and I'm kind of wondering at the moment if they're not like their names for the twelve. Sure, they yeah. seem to like match up in a couple of like aspects here and there, and that might be particularly interesting moving forward based on you know, stuff we're thinking about the 12 in the 5.2 MSQ. Right. Could be compelling. Uh, but uh, that's that's basically it. The, the Ronkins are probably, like, the most compelling, I think, of, like, the yes. old sort of pre-flood civilizations that we've learned about. Mm -hmm. So it was it was cool to, like, find out a little bit more about them. But, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's it. Unless anyone's got anything else to add on Ronker or the Kitari. Not there used happy. to be Namazu, and now there aren't. Yeah, they're extinct. <laughs> That's, I just I just did that one yesterday. I was like, oh, thank God <laughs> for that. Yeah. I love this. It doesn't so with the Namazu, it doesn't matter which path you choose. Um, you yeah. can basically present it with this interpretation of either the Katari gave him some fish and like helped him get through this famine, or they and then they died anyway. <laughs> and yeah, either, either way, they're like, oh, but they lived outside of Novrat, so the flood killed them all anyway. They're extinct didn't didn't even matter yeah. <laughs> i've been i've been going all like negative on my on my katari like totem and i was like you know what no they were buddies with the namazu <laughs> just, one. <laughs> just just one i'm just gonna throw that in there i think my first one was positive and my last two were negative and i just dislike that it's like red red green I don't like it. yeah visually oh well Visuals I mean, that's are the most important. important part of his history, history, right? Is to make sure there's like a visual consistency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. So uh, let's jump into that's all 
non-MSQ stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's jump into the MSQ. Um, obviously, some of the bigger stuff um, with this patch was uh, the reveal of Vana and the counter-convocation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the idea of somebody being the heart of Zodiac. Um, yeah, let's let's. What are your what are you guys' thoughts on this? Let's jump into this. Yeah. Um, mostly by the point that heart is not the word used across all languages. What what would be like a direct translation of the other localizations? Just making sure I'm back, right? Yeah, you, yes. you're you're back. Yeah, okay. you're yeah, yeah my body. signal dropped entirely. Okay. Now, oh. um, the the most proper translation between them would probably be core. Mm-hmm. Like uh um. Like linguistically, the word that most of the languages go back to is like kernel, like the mm-hmm. kern of it, the core of it. Mm. So it's still the, a heart associated word, but it's not like Square Enix was like, yeah, we're going to call it the heart. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, what are, what what do we think of this? I This like immediately reminds me of um, the short story we have about Phoenix. And the yeah. fact that the the, the Amritines, um could create things, but they couldn't create souls. And um, it was by accident they realized that they could have a soul in a creation um, by, you know, taking it from somewhere else, either from you know the live stream from from dead people, from you know various soul goo, or from like a a willing or unwilling perhaps live uh, sacrifice. And that was like the the genesis of of primal summoning, right? Um, and and obviously like what um, informed their research into into zodiac um, is is this like the first implication that we've had that like there is like a uh, I mean presumably human soul at the heart of Heidelin zodiac? Yes. Like, we've heard before that they are soul, which made it kind of weird, but, like, it was always just this vague, you know, a world soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how do we feel about that? Like, what implications might there be for this? I'm, like, just on standby. <laughs> like, right, okay, go on. Yeah. Right, go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's, kind of feeling the same way. It's <laughs> that idea, right, of if you have, you know, it's like, you know, the idea of, like, before you have, okay, we, we knew there was Heidelin and there was Zodiac, and they're just these two opposing forces. We don't know quite what's going on other than they're just, like, you know, it's it's God, Mom, and Dad that are just constantly just trying to keep things in balance or whatever, but now the idea of there potentially being somebody kind of at the center of that and potentially directing that mm. is a little weird, but at the same time doesn't really change it. You know what I mean? Like they still have agendas regardless of who's yeah. in charge of those agendas. Right. So what I want to believe is that you just needed a soul to build onto and that mm-hmm. once it was built onto it wasn't necessarily that thing anymore because right. otherwise mm-hmm. you have just two ancients and their old wills just lying to everyone all the time right. and didn't like, they wow, basically say that and yeah i think so 
Like, I think yeah. that's a proper interpretation of it. And I'm hoping that's a proper interpretation of it. Because otherwise, like, Vana as Heidelin is just weird. Yeah. I mean, there was a line there that, that Vana was, like, reassuring their companion, saying, oh, I can still take, like, the form I choose. Basically, like, like almost implying, like, oh, it'll still be me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least in some way, to some extent. Um, and, and, and it's interesting, like... On on one hand, before now we thought of Heinlein and Zodiac as like these these sort of like primordial forces um, that are beyond human motivations, that are beyond like mm. uh, like human like moral psychology and moral reasoning. Right. Um, and now suddenly we're like we were so reluctant to like describe them as like good and evil so much as just like these these sort of necessary universal forces. But now knowing that there's like a human being. At the core of it or if there is still a human being at the core of it that mm -hmm. kind of like complicates it and it's suddenly like well maybe zodiac is evil maybe zodiac is bad and not just you know this necessary force um but intuitively you would think that once you take like a person and you give them the souls of you know millions of people in these godlike powers and godlike perspective and right. godlike knowledge that whatever they were before they're kind of not anymore and they would kind of like evolve beyond those things so there's definitely like some really some really interesting um problems right here um that i think and i hope we'll uh we'll see explored a little bit more um i i think we need to mention that Vanar has 12 companions mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in that hologram. Um, and um, are we ready to make that leap? Are we ready to like commit to that? I don't know about commit, but I'm ready to be excited. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think there's, there is that, that very real possibility that that's where yeah. this could be going. Yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready to be excited for the Asians not having anything to do with the 12, finally, after all these years. Right. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And it was this... a little touch and go there for a minute, wasn't it? Yeah, right. I got a little nervous. Uh, this this conversation at all about Vinod being the heart and, you know, th this sort of conversation just makes me want... So I, I can't wait for more Ultima because I just there's so many similarities to taking someone not their combat data but having them be the heart of something be mm. the the mind behind something and mm -hmm. does is that what ultima that storyline is trying to show us maybe not probably not i don't know Possibly. but it's just so similar to me and yeah, you know and we showed up and and we're like, hey, that MSQ thing you got going is pretty cool. But what if we added mechs to it and yeah. made a different storyline also? Cool. I don't know. We've had little bits of of all of this kind of before too, right? right you, exactly. you look back at the extreme primals where it was like, mm -hmm. oh, we're just it sacrifices and stuff into this primal. Well, that's mm -hmm. what we had with Zodiac, or exactly. you know, we have that. Oh, like I'm gonna become like the the center of Heidelin. Well, we had that kind of idea with like Yasail, right? Where she took on that kind of power and it's it's really interesting the mm -hmm. the similarities I think between all of that. 
um, and and how you know it looks like Zodiac and Heidelin were were kind of created the one, now. The one that really jumped out at me was actually Heaven on High, mm. um, and uh, the 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 Guardian of Heaven on High, the Floor Thirty boss, um, is uh, there's there's a there's a conversation from the the leader of the Onishishu where he is like preparing they've they've like made this vessel um and he's preparing to sacrifice himself so that his soul can become the core mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. of this guardian um and that just seems like a miniature version of this conversation between Venar and 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 their followers right it's like it's it's conceptually kind of the same thing which yeah. i think is um is super super compelling um yeah i'm interested to see where it leads and and I, I guess on that same vein we really need to talk about elitibus don't we mm -hmm. and this implication that elitibus became the the heart the core the kernel whatever we want to call it of uh of zodiac um and that the elitibus that we're facing now may or may not be the same dude um i don't know where we land on that it wasn't bad enough that we had multiple xenos running around in in, in stormblood now we might have multiple elitibuses <laughs> elitibi yeah elitibi yeah um when zodiac was summoned he tempered everyone that summoned him mm -hmm. which was the convocation um and the original elitibus presumably became his heart if this is not the original elitibus this elitibus is not tempered yeah Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, like going to be the core thing that's important because it's mm -hmm. the only thing that really changes if we mm -hmm. like this nuance shouldn't matter because we've known the same dude since 2.1 either way. It's always been the mm -hmm. same guy. So what does it change? Mm -hmm. Whatever it changes must be true. So I think you're on the right path with assuming that that's going to be the nuance that matters. It's absolutely this reflected in the way he's acted this whole time, too. He's just a this... little bit off from everybody else. There's a throwaway line. Um, when we confront him in Raktika, which I found super, super, super compelling. Like, he, he's basically flat out refusing, like, tell us about his plans or anything like that. He's like, I have no common ground with you. I don't have to tell you shit. Um, <laughs> but when we ask him about his motivations, he says that um, I merely uh, enact the will of not Zodiac, not the star. He says, I merely enact the will of the convocation. Mm. Um, and if it turns out that he's not tempered, that he was brought to this position um, after the summoning of Zodiac, then that's really interesting that, that like all of this time he's, he's committed to doing um, right by the convocation and the convocation's decision and kind of like performing his role in regards to the convocation as as emissary not that he's kind of like uh, categorically um and like unwaveringly committed to to zodiac yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um and it's so interesting to me because on one hand he's so different from emmet selk in that he refuses to communicate with us he refuses to you know try even even like in bad faith find some common ground with us um and yet is the one Asian that might actually be capable of doing so. Yeah. Mm. This is actually like 
if if that's where it goes, which I'm hoping it is, it clears up for me some of the tension that I've had with some of his lines in the mid 2.0 era, like when he used to just drop in and bicker with people. Mm-hmm. Like he had this conversation with Nabriales after he visits us at the Waking Sands, where yes. Nabriales is like, "Our plans are in motion. What the hell are you doing?" And he's like. I'm curious, like we have different missions and I'm curious, but we don't labor at cross purposes. So just buzz yep. off. Yeah. So like that's been something that's been in my craw for a while because the lore book straight up says like his loyalty to Zodiac is absolute. So like, what's the difference here? What's the difference in their missions? And if mm-hmm. it was merely that like they're tempered and way too fervent and think he's fervent and think he's God and Elidibus is really the arbitrator between that tempering and their original goal of bringing back the world as it was and saving all their brethren and continuing on as usual that finally like clears it up in a way where he's still the antagonist and that's what I, I think want. it's in that mm-hmm. in that regard I think it's important to you know talking about loyalty to Zodiac is it Zodiac now as we know it or the idea right of Zodiac I think that's probably the the big distinction the original there purpose of right Zodiac. right like the mission right right mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because if if this isn't the the, He's the a real Olymp- I, this <laughs> yeah exactly this recontextualizes him in a way that I love because mm-hmm. he's he's trying to live up to his station because we know that those names yeah. are are stations basically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's just it it to me it makes him so much more compelling. You're right, like I, I love because I was I was saying how can we have Emmett Selk who's so much of a compelling fun. And we have Elidibus, who has before been a little weird, but been, yeah, I'm just a normal villain, but, you know, like, I'm not mm-hmm. interacting with you. I don't have to. But mm-hmm. this would give him that extra layer that I would, I would frankly love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The idea of him being untempered isn't even something that I had even right. thought about before yeah. today. And yeah. I, I love that idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that... it's got... Sorry, go on, Mason. Oh, good. No, the thing that, like, that I want cleared up in like kind of a more specific way is that we've seen people be independent of but affiliated with stuff before and it Mm -hmm. was Minfilia and Heidelin and Mm -hmm. Minfilia when she first comes back like I I always bring this up in German the line she uses is identical to the line Elidibus uses when he first introduces himself to us word for word Mm -hmm. and she swaps a couple of words around so when she's the word of the mother he's the word of the father. Mm. So it's like Minvilia was never tempered by Heidelin. She chose to act with Heidelin, you know? Mm. So like Elidibus could be the same way in acting kind of the word of the father to bring back the world because all of his friends are in there with him. Like, we just don't really know where it's going, but like, I really do want to see that connection between the emissaries honored in a way that we don't just like retcon that out of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm That's curious too now. specific to not mean something, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. What What are your thoughts then? So we we don't know if we're dealing with the original Elidibus or not. Um, obviously, as far as we know, Vinat is not Minfilia, right? So is is do you think that Heidelin could have swapped out that soul, or do you think? Hmm. Minfilia is what just I, tempered and just doing that, or well, you know what? As far as we know, that soul is in Reem. Yeah. yeah, like 
Reen was a like a reincarnation. Minfilia soul in a new body, and like what what's happened now, as far as we understand, is that Minfilia has just like removed her mind, um, and her like I guess like consciousness from from that form, and allow that to sort of like dissipate, evaporate, return to the live stream, whatever. But like the the sort of her anima, the sort of like components of her soul are basically like entirely in rain mm-hmm. um that seems to be what is going on there so no i i, I don't think heidelin's like wow this soul is getting kind of like used up i'm gonna swap i need a new one yeah battery like yeah like yeah. a triple a battery <laughs> i need i need a new pair of shoes let's go let's go shopping the scions are looking <laughs> pretty good I, I have seen some theories floating around in the community that maybe that's what's going to happen between like Zodiac and Xenos. That like Xenos is kind of swap out as like the new oh, the new heart or core <laughs> or whatever. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm so tired of Xenos. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Didn't you love uh, that guy? Well, so it, it's it's interesting, right? Because you and, and I and I had this this I've, I've talked about it a lot um going through stormblood the idea of like he's the only bad guy that ever like beat us right that constantly was like we didn't just mm-hmm. be like oh okay and then you're done but then they yeah. had you know we we finally defeat him after he fuses with shinryu and is even more powerful then we somehow beat him right but then all this other weird stuff happens and i feel like there's i don't know i feel like they're dragging on with him a little bit too much but that's just me. i agree <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. This is me and Ethis, I guess. I don't. Yeah. I, mean, I think they're. I think I they're addicted to using him as a wild guard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like, he's he's scary. A little bit of unpredictability yeah. in yeah. the story that's finally be like a lot of the stories being tied together and cleaned up and reduced, yep. and that means that it's a little more binary. And that I think they're just like keeping Xenos around longer than they intended to get to a point that they thought they'd be at sooner and then just using him as chaos in sure. the meantime, like a little bit of unpredictability. I, the thing that, that I would dislike though, especially when you make that point of unpredictability is if he does do the, the, the fusion dance, right. With Zodiac, that's just the same thing he did with Shinryu again, but with somebody else, like, yeah, but and then we'll beat him if again. he does that, yeah. if he does that, he's going to lose. Yeah. Right, but if he does that, they clean up a part of the story they've been struggling with for a long time too. So you know, back okay. at Square Enix, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. I don't it's know if he's. At, we don't know he's going to be successful. That's the yeah. big yeah. thing. That's just his yeah. goal right now, and we never would have predicted that as part of that goal. He'd just be like, "Oh, the Warrior Light's not here. I'm going to go home and kill my father." Yeah. Like we never <laughs> really thought that's how Varus would exit the story. But again, chaos. He did. Yeah. See, I mean, Varus like isn't that. doing anything useful what? anyway. So I, I like that because like the the arbiters of chaos are becoming progressively less and less chaotic and more and more predictable to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten to the point, particularly in Shadowbringers, where like we've basically got the Asians worked out. We know what they're about. Um, yeah. And they're not they're not sort of like wildly unpredictable anymore. And there kind of needs to be some some element of that. So yeah, I I, I think like as a narrative device, Xenos is great. As a character, he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I like the the, the chat. Uh, Xenos is a bounty paper towel for lore spills. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I like. He's there so we can look at the Asians and be like, ah, oh, such Hell good yeah. writing, such good villains. This guy, what is this? What is he? Even? What is you? Um. 
speaking of Elidibus, um one of the major points in 5.2 is us trying to work out what Elidibus's plan is and the signs being like, oh, what could he possibly be planning? What's what's happening? Um, Moose, I know you've made the point that like he he told us. Well, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't tell. He told us the players. Like at the end of five. He told the players. He didn't tell anybody yeah. else. Like he told. And, he told the players and like the moon. And there's no yeah. ambiguity whatsoever. It's not like, oh, that could be interpreted in a few different ways. He he yeah. literally says, "I'm gonna keep them mired in the first, and then I'm gonna use warriors of light to kill them dead. I'm going to yep. kill this guy." Right? There's no yeah, ambiguity there. Is there ambiguity there? Am I missing something? I, I don't think so. Like, I Maybe think there's, in... in terms of trying, good. Okay, in oh. terms of trying to predict the story, I I think there's a little ambiguity because maybe he doesn't yeah. succeed at any mm-hmm. of that, and there's some maybe there's some secondary component like some kind of light effect, ethereal effect, elemental effect. We don't know, but I think that's all incidental to. I just want somebody to go like full e sale, all zealotry, no doubt, and stab mm-hmm. the warrior light and his friends dead and just get this over with. He's not very uh, creative, is he? No. What I was going to say is uh, <laughs> I think the only thing you could sort of maybe try and stretch to interpret is what he is now defining as warrior of light. Because he's he's changed what that is. He doesn't care. Now. He doesn't care what it no. is. I, I think that's the thing. He's like, I just want someone to kill this prick. Like, I don't care whether I don't care I whether mean, they're fair? like a warrior light or not. I'm just going right. to convince it they are and yeah. have them I think stab that's part of his. I think it's part of his like claiming it's ironic though. Mm-hmm. Like he, by our definition of warrior of light and his understanding of the universe, he's a warrior of light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. just a very interesting thing to consider, and I think that's like part of the point of the patch art. Because like you can mm. see Elidibus inside of the crystal, in between the Warrior of Light and Darkness, and I think that's like kind of like the art they're going. Mm. It's just yeah. very weird to consider. All one in the same. We've given we've given two NPCs names, Thaler and Vonard, and um, that's got a that's got to lead somewhere. I, th- I think step one is convincing these two jabronis that their Warriors of Light. Job done. <laughs> Step two is convincing them to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's going to end very, very poorly for them. Yes. And that's going to be a little bit sad. Or again, like like Moose said, maybe we find some way to just completely undermine Olympus's plan and we don't have to kill these poor, uh, poor innocent jabronis. I think. The fact that we didn't immediately try to call him out in public, like, this guy's a phony, shows yeah. that we've at least learned enough about Elidibus to know he had a plan. Yeah. We've learned how he thinks. We know that he would have been able to spin that to his benefit either way. So I think, like, if we've learned enough to not do that, maybe we've learned enough to throw a wrench in his gears, too. Maybe. I, maybe. I agree with that, but... The fact that we learn that there's some guy out there one-shotting powerful Sin Eaters um, claiming to be a warrior of light, and then immediately we go, oh yeah, that makes me think we should tell everyone the truth about the warrior of light and how good they were and how great they <laughs> were. That's like, yeah. not, not hold off on that before yeah. we like investigate this thing was again, the only possible explanation was that Rianger is trying to prank us again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I also think it's it's interesting too with with this patch, um, and it's you know, I, I, you could probably argue that maybe the seeds were there, 
even even earlier, but I feel like with this patch, you have that end cutscene, right? Where depending mm-hmm. on which role quest you do, right, you can talk to any of those NPCs. Mm-hmm. And like my immediate thought was like, oh, these characters are going to be the actual warriors of light going forward on the first. Mm-hmm. That was what I, I took away from that. Right. So regardless of, of what happens with whatever Elidibus is doing with people, I think they're setting up this group of people because you have, they cover all the roles, you know? Like, I think they're going to set them up to be, like, the Warriors of Light for the first. You know, if if Silver becomes, like, unironically, like a, like a proper, not undercover Warrior of Light mm-hmm. again, I would love that. That would be yeah. great. That would be really cool. But it's not going to happen. the others sure but not not silver i don't right yeah probably not but it was the fact that they they brought them back into the the narrative after you know kind of being on the side like that tells me that they have a plan for them whether it's something else but i i don't know it just to me it just it's one of those it just it feels really obvious to me right it's just like oh they're gonna be the new warriors of light okay like they're the they're the next party of, of you know whatever and so it could be as simple as uh when you get to a certain part of the msq those souls come back and help you out and you get the ones that you've done the quest for it could be as simple I, as that i mean they could be doing something you know like yeah. that but it's it's like why why else bring them around and you know, i only did one i don't know the rest of them because you know i only did one full quest but yeah they they were all seemingly completely unaffected by Elidibus's plan. Like they don't really care. It didn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. They didn't see the the star shower. I don't believe. Like at least no. They were just kind of curious. They were yeah. just like knock on your door. And they're like, hey, what's going on? And How like, you doing, buddy? Like, and they're like, oh, that sucks. Good luck. Yeah. She except, has to, like punch for... that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Except except for Silva, who's like, mm-hmm. hey, that's an Asian, right? And we're like, yeah. And she's like. Yeah, you're gonna put him back in the ground and like give him a proper burial this time. And we're like, yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like burn the body this time. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love Silver. Yeah. I want more of her, and I want her to have a chat with um, Una Calhai. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Who, who, Una Calhai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ukulele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so okay so talking about the 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 star shower mm. um, we had been kind of speculating since we saw the final days that there was going to be like a connection between the star shower and amarat um how do we how do we feel about that interested like yeah. Yeah. it's like I know that's not what it originally connected to, but it's so... It's a good catch. Yeah, it's so fortuitous of, Mm. like, a coincidence that you can't not do it. It ties up everything so well. And it's just such a good use of the writing to do it this way. And it is. It's one of those times that we see something and we're like, oh, that could be... And it's like this total shot in the dark and it actually pans out that way. Mm. So, like, I'm very, very interested in it. But I'm also remembering that, like... In 1.0, we heard hear, feel, think before we saw the vision of the star shower, which is just backwards of how we were just introduced to it, too. So I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, I see what you're doing here. Someone mm. in chat uh, mentions that the DPS caster kid actually did see the star shower, and that's why he shows up. Right. See, because that's, that's why I was asking, because I'm like, 
is it for all of them? Is is Tainer somehow different or like I I don't. He didn't he didn't hear the voice though. No, I mean, he didn't. He, did, like, he didn't mention. Right, exactly, because he said, "Yeah, I saw that something was going on, but I couldn't remember mm-hmm. if he actually saw and heard, or mm-hmm. if he was like, oh yeah, there was a group, and they said, you know, there was a starship.' Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that so, nuance is going to be part of the cleanup in the end. Yeah. Um, yep. That yep. not everyone who sees it gets it, because in one point oh, it appeared over Silver Tier Lake, like thousands yeah. of people saw it, but not everyone got the echo. And I yes. think you only hear the voice and then see the star shower after if you're singled out and deliberately chosen rather than caught up in some spontaneous dragnet. That kid mm-hmm. well, and also, keep in mind, though, uh, the one that we had was it was fake, right? It was just an illusion. Like they yeah. didn't actually well, yeah, get the yeah, echo. Yeah. So the fact that they didn't hear anything, what if that implies that maybe they already have something, but they just don't yeah. know it? My, my thought was that it, it just implies that they weren't there. They didn't see the final days. Like, like everyone's souls is made up of bits of sure. yeah. older souls that's kind of recycled, right? And yeah. um, if you are an inheritor of a shard of uh, ancient, like, you know, pre-Zodiac soul, then um, you have that kind of bit of uh, latent memory within you. Mm. And um, if it's triggered, you get the echo. And if it's not, you don't. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really, really important to reiterate here that not everyone in the Crystarium that sh- saw the Star Shower now has the Echo. Right. Um, I've been going around to all the NPCs in the Crystarium and trying to work out like which ones mention hearing the voice, and I haven't found any that do like explicitly mention it. Um, it's only really like Thanar and uh, sorry Thaler and Vonard um, that uh, like for sure do have it, um, and there's going to be others, but we don't know who they are. Um, the other one was the, the Scions, they, they like almost definitely don't have it because they were with us in the dungeon in the final Mm. days of Amaranth and they saw it everywhere. And at no point did any of them sort of fall over and clutch their heads and start having like, (laughs) that is very true. So if, if suddenly they have it, that's an oversight, unless like the way you just put it moose where like maybe you have to be like deliberately targeted with this illusion rather than just like incidentally see it because hmm. that's the other thing right is like we know souls can't be created or destroyed so it sort of stands to reason that everyone that is alive has you know their soul is from bits of ancient souls right, right? yeah i'm not even like i'm still on the fence about like how many of the things that are alive right now are part of divided agents versus the quote unquote new life that arrived when Zodiac came back. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I don't know what the hell's going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, when I watched the cutscene, I kind of interpreted that the here, feel, think was part of the illusion. Is that not the case? Well, we don't know for sure. Like a, a okay. could be lying to us. I mean, okay. that's, that's the difference between Elidibus and Emmett Selk, because, like, Emmett Selk sort of tells, like, you know... Uh, Half-truths. Yeah. yeah Eno- half-truth, enough like, truth to, to, to yeah. But, but like, Elidibus is just flat-out lied to people. Like, he, he lied to um, uh, lied to Silver to get her over to the first to mess with um, Arbit and crew. We lied to Arbit to get him over to the source and, and fuck with us. Like, um, he doesn't seem to have a have a problem with that and i think we need to entertain the possibility that like he's lying about heidelin's voice as well and then maybe the voice is an illusion as well 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But I think we can't like commit to that one way yeah. or the other. Okay. Moment, can we? I don't yeah, think there's going to be one answer for it either. I think. Mm. I think the one that we saw in 5.2 is probably an illusion conjured by him. Mm. I think he's trying to blame the one we saw over Silver Tier Lake in 62 as an illusion created by Heidelin. And mm. I think he's trying to say that sometimes Heidelin will send them into one person's mind instead of have them manifest in the world. Mm. Mm. But like anybody could probably do that to you if they knew how to do that to you. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many questions, right? Like, I, I, I think it's all definitely an illusion from a little bit. That's like it, it just, it's part of his plan, right? Um, but then you have to wonder, okay, well, then what are the real star showers, right? How do those work? And it's just, yeah. there's so many variables. It doesn't really answer PTSD. the question. It just. It just tells us yeah. that Olympus is good at illusions. All right, he all says right. there are real star showers. Yeah. What if it goes the other way? What if it turns out that Olympus is the one who created the one over Silver Tier Lake in 62? Right. I mean, mm. that could be. Like, like could oops, we anywhere. accidentally made our worst enemy. Here's, here's a yeah. thought. On, on one hand, maybe the voice of Heidelin for the people in the Crystarium was also an illusion conjured, conjured by Olympus. Mm. But on the other hand, he wants to kill us, and to do that, he needs people that are strong and that have the echo. Right. So if that is genuinely his plan, like as we have every reason to believe it is, like surely he's got to be like sincerely trying to like power people up so they can get the job done, mm -hmm. right? And speculatively, he... it's all very difficult for me because. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even say for certain right now, I don't think that I don't even think I can say that the 14th, the person who left the convocation isn't a Litibus, And this is all a red herring. Yeah, like sure. he that mm -hmm. person came back and became the new Litibus. Like, I can't even say that. All they yeah, say yeah, is that like, like Emmett Selk had a friend that was us. They never mm -hmm. said that that was the defector yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 so. I thought about that as well because like it would make sense the dissident like after the shit storm kind of happened and the the sundering and all that came back and was like i need to act as an intermediary here to make sure that we go about this like the right way that would kind of make sense that it's kind of like reluctant but necessary to sort of fulfill the role um i think the only counter to that is that the dissident is given a gender based on the player's gender mm -hmm. And that's like obviously not any kind of proof that we're the dissident, but it's pretty compelling. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> is there any other like 1.0, 1.x stuff that has happened in, in 5.2 that's kind of wrapped up in a bow for us? Not on that level. Hmm. I, mean, I do. I do like that we've had the Sargon sorted out. It's like, oh, okay, you gave the Sargon the echo yeah. by oh, yeah. an illusionary star shout. Yeah, cool. I'm glad they confirmed that that was because the, the Sargon and Minfilia both blamed him, but we never had mm -hmm. any. I really wish that they confirmed what was up with Thornton because his lore is a mess, and a lot <laughs> of it is solved if you say Elidibus gave him the echo, and he just never brought it up. Okay, uh, so why one, why, know, why is that? Why is why is Thornton a mess? Yes, like, is that the question in regards to having the echo or not? Okay, so we've been told two completely contradictory stories of how Thornton became Thornton. Mm -hmm. uh, 
during this like uh, lore Q and A questionnaire thing on a live stream, Yoshida was like, um, "Okay, so Thordan was the only one who was a primal, and mm -hmm. he extended a blessing from him as an extension of that primal to all of the Knights of the Round, and that's how they gained their primal forms." Mm -hmm. Which, because we saw Zephyrin transform and kill. Um, uh, why am I blanking on Horshafon's name yeah. in the middle of a freaking podcast? <laughs> uh, so we saw him turn in, into one of those and kill Horshafon before yeah. we saw uh, Thordan transform. Before he that ascended, Thord yeah. Thordan, Thordan goes back and forth between primal and not primal without being tempered or losing his form or dying, which completely contradicts what we would expect expect given Shiva and Louisa where the difference was explained by the echo. Mm -hmm. So then we flash forward to the lore book and the lore book says that Thornton became Thornton in the um, in the final fight itself because that summoning method was perfected on the Knights of the Round before him. So mm -hmm. that's like completely contradictory. But then in that fight that would explain how he becomes so like hyper fervent in his own belief kind of self-tempered mm. Tsukiyomi style that he looks at you and he's like you know what are you and you're shrouded in darkness yeah. that all becomes clear but then once you kill him all the knights of the round disappear too mm. so like everything's kind of a mess in mm. terms of could he transform and then transform back into a man and then transform back I... into a primal and transform back into a man or not I think the one way to resolve that is going back to like um, the the sort of uh, nature of the encyclopedia as like a yeah. diegetic source yeah. that it's written by Aeorzean scholars and like their interpretation of what happened based on their right. you know expertise I mean, and, this... and know how whatever. I'm in the same boat. I think the lore book should be an in-world assumption that's revealed to be an error. Mm -hmm. Yoshida's explanation should be correct. Mm -hmm. Thornton went back and forth a couple of times and blessed the Knights of the Round, mm -hmm. and then you just clear up the whole how wasn't he tempered thing with that Elidibus gave him the echo. Yeah. And then you blame that whole misunderstanding on the fact that like when we first were given a foreshadow that something was up in Ishgard, it showed us this like quick flash of the throne room and who's standing behind the throne. Right. Not just mm. La Habrea, La Habrea yeah. and Elidibus. And like yeah. La Habrea is the one who led the whole merge of man and primal thing. So what's Elidibus even doing there? Mm -hmm. So I think that would something like clean up the story way. Mm -hmm. But so how do we tie yeah, that I agree. How do we tie that into 5.2? Yeah. In terms of like just in terms of it being that easy for a Elidibus to just be like, okay, you, you're gonna see a star shower real quick. Okay. There you go. Mm -hmm. Same with the Sahagan primal, just in a different way. Like mm -hmm. I like to see the Sahagan primal as a test for Thornton. The way right. I'd like to see Shiva as a test for Thornton. And then you can say everything from 2.2 to 2.5 was a test for how they're going to deal with the fallout of 2.0. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that's compelling. All right. Um, any, any, anything else? Any other tie-ins? Any other loose threads that we've, uh, we've seen wrapped up? Yeah, pretty but... much everything else goes back to the presence of Silver Tier Lake, which mm. we're not going to deal with probably anytime soon. <laughs> uh, the couple of missing Asians, which we're probably not going to deal with anytime soon. Uh, other than that, I think everything's pretty much clear.
Great. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess like moving beyond the, the Elidibus stuff to like the last couple of cutscenes we get in 5.2. <laughs> I was <laughs> just debating Morris. it in my head. Should I talk about Morris? <laughs> um, there are a few like not main scenario plot lines in 1.0 that are just like off in the wind somewhere and no one's bringing and Morris is one of them. And we joke Do around it. that he has to be the next NPC that comes back. There's this weird lingering storyline. Have you ever seen like that rock in the shroud called um, Amber Scale Rock? Yeah. 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 That has no lore at all. That's mm. not connected to the world at all. It's just sitting there. And in 1.0, it was tied up with this conjurer named Morris, who was a wildling, like an actual wildling taken away by the elementals, had his mind wiped. He's not allowed to leave the wood. Now he has to like serve them forever. And they never wrapped up his story or alluded to him again at all. But he's supposed to have some kind of connection to Amber Scale Rock, which I think it was like kind of maybe a little implied to be a dragon the elementals bound to break a connection. Well, that's right, because we we had originally thought that it was part of um, was it the the boy and the dragon gay? Was that the yeah, name we of had the, two or the three boy and the dragon. Boy and the dragon gay. Yeah. Mm hmm. You, you and always all get of those backwards. theories turned out to be wrong. The Bind the K Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone always so says yeah, that they wrong. should clean that up. They should clean up the whole green rot thing. They ruined back for that. Oh, yeah. The elementals mm. aren't part of the story anymore. They should clear up that. But like, you know, in terms of the main scenario, we're pretty close to done. As long as we can clean up like the stuff that's still connected to the presence and uh who was who wasn't wasn't an Asian and one point is kind of in the wind a little bit. Trav and Shen <laughs> mm -hmm. still in the wind a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Um, well, we got just like a couple of cutscenes at the end of five point two. Um, I I found the whole like spirit vessel thing pretty compelling. Um, and what's going on with that? Like like we touched on a little bit earlier in the cast about how well. Uh, we've made this distinction in Shadowbringers between soul and mind and memory, how they're like connected, but uh, not the same. They are distinct in some way. Um, and the vessel being like, like the, the white orosite being able to contain a soul, but not necessarily a mind. And like, if we use white orosite or something like that to bring them back, they'll end up just like without their memories, without their mind, they'll just be like zombies or whatever. Um, and this idea that the Allegan royal blood is not so much like about the crystal tower per se, but about crystal in general and, and the, the power to sort of fuse soul and mind with crystal, I think is really, really interesting. Um, and the idea that like, we need to somehow imbue these vessels with the elegant blood to allow the uh scions souls and minds and memories to kind of wholesale like join with these crystals and and travel back um do you have any ideas about that any thoughts about that one wild shot in the dark speculation mm -hmm. and it's rooted entirely in that kind of japanese worldview and it's probably wrong my shot in the dark is that what they're saying is that like mind, soul and all that stuff is tied up in spiritual ether mm. and that they can't figure out a way to move spiritual ether 
aside from through a corporeal body. So since they like lack that, that they can't figure out the catalyst, how they're going to like create that vessel. How are they going to get them into the vessel? Because the only way they can usually do that is with blood and blood mm. is a corporeal body thing. So mm. if blood was the catalyst between soul and body and someone who is just normally living, then you would be able to use blood as a catalyst to get someone who's just soul into the crystal. So that's like my first thought is that the, that it's going to be rooted in the fact that they just don't have bodies here. So they're going to have to try to figure out how to use like without body, how to get them into the crystal is just mind by using blood as the catalyst. Cause that's how they transferred that in the Allegon covenant between like the, how to use the chair. Remember? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I think that's what, yeah. I think that's what it's going to tie into is like how they use the emperor's throne, not necessarily just, the covenant, yeah. but how to control the tower. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I see a lot of people worry that that's going to kill Grahatea. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't think it will. Like pe people are thinking, like he knows is that he's sacrificing himself to do this. And if he was going to sacrifice himself, we already know that he could just do that. But like if he dies, then they go back. Yeah, apparently. We so never maybe got he drains himself of blood and goes back to sleep in the tower, and and then that's how the time loop finally <laughs> stabilizes. There you go. <laughs> he's not allowed to die until he fixes the goddamn time loop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, as we know, his original plan was just to take all of the light out of the Warrior of Light and teleport it into the void, and he would die, and everyone would just, like, automatically, like, slingshot back into their bodies. Um, so his plan is definitely not to die as a result of this, otherwise he'd just do it the easy way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know, I'm having, I'm having a hard time imagining what what is going to happen to Graha through this. Well, what are the, what are the details that we have on the, the way with the, the way that the chair worked with the blood? What's like, we nothing? Have... <laughs> I like mean, nothing. like, is, is there a reason, is there a reason that we know of, of why the Royal blood is the way it is? It's um, like Allegon Etherochemistry was <laughs> like baller. Like, Okay, so they created okay. an enchant. They created an enchantment that would bind the blood and allow only the people of his bloodline to control the crystal tower. Okay. And, and then one of his descendants was like, "Well, this shit's hit the fan. I'm going to give this to a Makote. They have a lot of kids." And then one day, maybe one of them can come back and you know put this back on the right track. And what do you know? He did. Right. But now we know it's not just the tower, it's like crystal in general. Yeah, there's there's some way that you can, like, I mean, if you have the enchantment at all, that's ether. Like, magics are ether. So you have magics are ether, crystal is ether, mind, body, soul, memory, or, yeah, mind, body, soul, memory, all ether, but different types, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if they're all ether, then you have that connection. That but everyone had to figure out a way. Right. <laughs> in the end, either. everything is either. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a conundrum. The big, the, um, the great MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. So okay, I, so we I almost want to see them that. tie it back to the void a little bit. I don't know how, but just I mean, you th you think about the pact that Zandi had, right, and the mm. void, and you think about Gaia mm. and the void. I I feel like they they could do something there, but I don't know what it would be. Yeah, I was hoping a lot more Void stuff. Like, when they named this patch, 
Echoes of a Fallen, Fallen Star, I was like, oh shit, that's that's the 13th, right? Yeah. No luck. No. Nope. So far. The uh, the other Fallen Star. <laughs> the other one, yeah. The, the, so the, there's like, like seven other ones, right? Star. I mean, yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, that's a good that's point. A yeah. Um, all right, so we can't quite, I guess, unravel the spirit vessels at the moment. Mm. Um, so it just leaves us with Xenos and... <sighs> is it Asahi? What is happening? Is it, is it I Asahi? I it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's get that over with. Um, do we all agree that it's his voice? Like, is there any any other... Anything? Do you all agree in what? That, that it's Asahi's voice. I... I think it's Asahi's body. Mm. Definitely. I don't remember his voice well enough, mm. but I think it... I think it's definitely supposed to look like Asahi. Mm. I think it's deliberately supposed to make us think mm. it's it's Asahi. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why. <laughs> right. You want Sinos's bitch? I just don't want to think that it's another Asian possessing Asahi because I'm like, I'm, okay. I don't know what I hate more. <laughs> like, do I hate the idea that it's just another Asian possession more? Or do I hate the idea that another character's <laughs> perfect death him. has been ruined yeah. and it's just yeah. Asahi? Right. Like, his death was perfect. Leave it, it alone. Yeah. Hmm. Like I like Zenos's death made me like Zenos, and then when mm-hmm. he was back, I was like, "Oh well, there we go." Yeah. The only the only way that I could be okay with uh, it being Asahi is if we also get uh, Tsukiyomi back, and she just kills the hell out of him, kills him again. <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> what if what if what if Asahi was an, an Asian the whole time? No. 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 He might have been promoted. Yeah, he might have been mm-hmm. resurrected, and the Litibus was like, "Hey, you did a good job there. We're uh, understaffed at the moment. Um, <laughs> you're on probation." If, if anybody Gaius did it, it's Zenos, right? Yeah, we have that Elizan with Gaius, right? That's gonna be mm-hmm. Travanche, and then this oh, guy man. wearing Asahi. That's gonna be Corgova. There you go. <laughs> Done. Problem, problem solved. Um, <laughs> all found, all accounted for, right then. There, there was another throwaway line here, which I thought was like uh, probably way more significant than than we've uh, given it credit for. Um, Zenos has a dream, a very, very clear and precise memory of the final day of Amarot, and this white robe dude um, basically says that that's never happened. Like no one, no one has ever had that. Like the star shower illusions are a thing, but yeah. no one has had like a clear and precise memory of the final day. Um, His reaction I, is like, my understanding of this is pretty weird, but eh, Emmett no. Selk was here. Maybe he did something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He says, did Emmett Selk find a way to, and then he just kind of trails mm. off. Um, if we want to put our tin oil, uh, our tin oil fats, our tin oil hats. <laughs> back yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you will, we know that Xenos has the resonant. We don't know when he was given the resonant, but now he's saying that he's had this memory for as long as he can remember. So presumably hmm. for a while. Um, we know that to give someone the resonant requires like a blueprint of someone that has the echo. We know that for, for Dola, that was Kral. For Xenos, we have no idea who that is. 
I would like us to consider for a moment, maybe, just maybe, the possibility that the blueprint for Xenos' resonant was Emmett Selk. I was going to say, yeah, because, I mean, he's part of that descendancy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's we, part of it. Like, he is a blood yeah. descendant. That That's true. But, but also, like, if he's been given a copy of Emmett Selk's Echo, that makes him not only, like, artificially Echo enhanced, but artificially unsundered, pre-sundered, rejoins. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, whether that's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what that would be. Like, like, Could is that, that is that somehow like, like a soul copy of, of right. Emmett Selk himself? Is that like, um, a restoration of some other ancient soul into Xenos's form? Like, a- again, pure speculation, but right. I feel like, yeah. um, the white robe, talking about Emmett Selk and wondering if Emmett Selk found a way to do something in particular just makes me like immediately want to grab onto the idea that Emmett Selk gave him the resonant. Like I'm, I'm willing to throw it up on the theory board just because it's cooler than what I've been able to work out based on just past president precedent alone. Right. Or maybe like, maybe he just did a Palpatine, right? You know, we, we <laughs> fought him on the first, we killed him, and then he threw his mind across time and space and stuck a little bit into Xeno. Well, he doesn't know how to do time travel. <laughs> he travels, so. has a lot of ethereal midichlorians. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I, mean, I, wasn't really sure. I, <laughs> so, I wasn't really sure like, where you were going with that. Um, I thought, I was like, there's two things. It could either be Emmett itself or it could be us. Hmm. Because going theoretically, past, we also have law. some sort of recollection of that event. Uh, either the fresh one or one way, way, way in the past, because apparently we were one of those people. Uh, right, and but, but the they would have had like the people... opportunity to get our data because we've been around. P- people yeah. that have been like awakened in the echo, like they have an illusion of the star shower and they have the echo. They don't. Mm. They don't start having memories yeah. of the final days. Yeah. They don't start having these vivid dreams of things as they happen. Like, like again as far as the white robe dude understands and like again he admits that his understanding is like pretty <laughs> limited yeah. that is this never never happens um but Moose, you you were, you were just mentioning like some kind of precedence that might give us some indication of what the hell is going on with Xenos. maybe but the thing is, is when it comes to past precedent and archiving what happens mm. is my accuracy ends up being probably a coin toss because that's not how writing happens yes, writing is sure. both using past precedent and reframing shit and coming up with new ideas. So if it's cool. a new idea, I'm not likely to see it from the archiving. Right, the new mm. rule of cool. Mm. And <laughs> one thing we can do here is if there wasn't a new rule of cool in place, we could say that, okay, uh, being a descendant of Emmett Selk or Emmett Selk screwing with him artificially is how he became just so OP, how he was always mm. just like bigger better looking better at everything than everyone <laughs> that's how he had you just have to slide that one <laughs> yeah i'm throwing that i'm throwing that in there he's yourself. a skinny sephiroth what do you want you speak for yourself my character <laughs> is handsome no, as I'm hell all right for me he's not my type i'm speaking for the people on twitter who are like thirsty all over my phone oh, no <laughs> it's like it's a different kind of thirsty than emmett selk where everyone's just like i uh, can't see him but like Listen. 
I know the people you follow, all right? That's your own damn fault. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it really is kind of a trinity between Xenozem at Salk and Grahad. Oh, yeah. Okay, but anyway, if we use if we use President alone, we can have that, like, he was so special in the first place because of something Emmett Selk did, incidentally mm -hmm. or on purpose, just his involvement. Mm -hmm. So he grows up, he's a kid. We know from the short story, as a kid, he did not have magics. He was toying around with, like, the crystal embedded in his hand, and that's how he became interested in becoming a Garlean mage in the first place. Then we cut forward to Ralgar's Reach, where he does have magics. And that part is what makes me interested at first. How did he close that gap? And I'm thinking he went through, like, if we were to rely on past precedent alone, what makes sense to me is he went through um, Alice's machine twice. That Because when Alice tells Fordola about the machine, he's not saying, like, ah, oh, yes, this is the Echo Resonant machine. He's like, yeah, I built this to give Garleans magics because we didn't have them. Hmm. So if we assume he went through it one time and got magics and then started using the katanas and all those crazy skills we see at Ralgar's Reach, then he starts learning things because uh, Elidibus is in cahoots with the royal family and he becomes like this experimental test bed and Varas knows about it and all that other kind of crap. We can go to the fact that he concocts that Shinryu plan and he gets them out there looking for Shinryu. The instant he gets the call about Shinryu, he's in Doma, and he drops everything he's doing, leaves Doma, calls Fordola, and tells her to kidnap Kryl. So I think that's when he got his Echo powers. In terms of past precedent theories, it would be he told Fordola to capture Kryl specifically because that's when he found Shinryu, mm -hmm. and that he went through the machine again and became resonant in a way that he could merge with the primal and fight us. And that's why there was such a rush. Mm. And then after it worked, he was just like, you know what would be really fun? You know what I bet would be like really crazy and that would like fuck everything up right now? Let's throw Fordola through it and see what happens. <laughs> like, I think that's how that whole thing happened and that him and Fordola just reacted to it really differently. Mm. But so, that would so be were... past precedent alone. Right. So, so you were thinking that he that he didn't have the echo until like pretty soon before Stormblood. I wouldn't think so, just because if he did, I think he would have used it differently. I think he would have made different decisions than he did at certain points. But okay. like again, that's just how I make sense of it right now. That's a theory right. every bit as much as every other. Right. But 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 this idea that he's been having this dream for as long as he can remember seems to perhaps imply that he's had the the echo that whole time it does but like i'm stuck on the fact that like back when a lot of this lore was written for xenos like the mm. writers didn't know that sure mm. so mm. i'm like it could go either way because they yeah. could shove that retcon in there and we'd never know mm. so it's like i have no idea where they're gonna go with it it could be anything. Or, or you know i mean with the way that you know we had multiple xenoses right maybe something from a little bit carried over and he just thinks he's been having those dreams the whole time uh, uh, yeah who knows sure. <laughs> yeah hmm. he did say as far back as i can remember right maybe he's got how like, far back can he remember <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe true. maybe kind my, of my earliest memory is from last yeah. thursday <laughs> yeah i've been having this dream I mean, a week yeah I mean, he has he has been through this, you know, resonant machine perhaps multiple times and has died. Like his yeah. memory might not be all that great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay.
Okay. Well, um, uh, do we have really any anything after that? No, I mean that's that's pretty much the end for for five point two. Until it's five, not Asahi and coming up yeah. with ways to deal with it when it is. Yeah, because Yoshida's <laughs> Yoshida's said that five point two is really five point three part one. Like yeah. it, they're one, they're two halves of the same story. Like it's one arc that's meant to be taken collectively. And that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week.